became free, open, transparent, vulnerable, and shared very deep, personal, and intimate things that none of us will have expected to hear in such a public forum. Now, why are we saying this? this why are we saying this this morning? We do not want the grace message or the message of the Lord Jesus Christ to just remain an intellectual function. It should not just be something you come to church and hear in your head, but never transfers into some kind of response, reflex, or default in your life. Grace is at work. Amen. When you receive the message and you respond in a particular way, there is no way you encounter the grace of the Lord Jesus without any kind of response. I mean, all through the scriptures, everyone who encountered the grace of God gave an unscripted response. They didn't go to school to learn it. They didn't have a seminar on how to respond. There was something spontaneous that that grace of God in their life called to respond. I just read one passage. Luke 19. Zacchaeus. Who had a physical handicap. He was short. Yet had a desire in his heart to see Jesus. But because of the crowd, there was no way he would have succeeded. Jesus was passing by. Came to the very tree that Zacchaeus had climbed and stopped. Jesus did not wait for Zacchaeus to invite him to his house. Jesus invited himself. That's what grace does. Grace invites himself into your situation. Now, Jesus came into the man's house and people were around were complaining, does this guy know who is eating with a sinner? Mm. Now, you, you remember tax collector in the Bible. That was not a, an esteemed position. Those guys were like the RRS agents of today. I don't know how many of you would like to ha- have an IRS agent come into your house. So you can come and assess all, everything in your house and know what's going to audit you for in the next year. But anyway. So this guy comes to, Jesus comes to this man's house. And because grace had come into his house, without anyone telling him what to do, without a seminar on three steps to repentance, mm. two steps to how you must respond to it, none of that. Grace called within him to respond or have a certain reflex where he said, I'm going to give half my goods to the poor and if I've defrauded anyone, I'm going to make restitution. That's a grace response. That's a grace reflex. That's a grace default. So what we are saying this morning, what we want to talk about this morning is, how does grace call upon you to respond to God in a certain way? Have you been responding or are you in fact responding at all? Or is this just a matter of intellectual uh, collection of information without any corresponding action or reflex or default on your part? Because this real spiritual transaction takes place when you and I respond to grace. You've touched me. 
because of your touch in my life, I'm empowered to do or be X, Y, Z. You follow what I'm saying? Who had a party last night? Where were you guys dancing last night? (laughs) No, but you get the message. Grace always gives us a reflex, a response, a call to action. Always. It's not just something we just receive and just, oh, wow, that was so wonderful. Oh, hallelujah, praise God. What is he doing for you? Okay, let me talk about myself. When this message began to take hold in me, when this message began to take hold in me, the first change it brought to me was, how, first of all, how I see myself, my identity. Now I know I'm a child of God. Amen. I know that. Now I know that I know that I know that God is my father. And no matter what happens to me, no matter what's happening around me, no matter what I see or don't see, I have the assurance and the guarantee that God has my back. Yes. Settled. That is settled. Then the next thing that happened was how I begin to see those around me, my wife, my children, my friends, totally through a different prism. Totally. Totally. There was, there was a response now I see them in a totally different light from before. Because of what God has done for me, now I'm able to give out that same love that I've received to those in my immediate circle. Immediately. I was able to see that. And I'm continuing to see that. Amen? Amen. So grace responses. Dr. Anofiak. I was... Um at the hospital on uh, Thursday, Thursday, and um, when I saw my doctor, he said he was going to try some tests on me. He said I should uh, put my knees up, and he had his hammer, you know, that rubber, and then held it and hit it on my knees, and I just checked my knees, you know. And uh, I think that is, that is uh, one of the clearest examples of a reflex action. Yep. A reflex. Yep. When you know he tried several spots on my knees and he didn't check until he hit the right spot and immediately my knee checked. And then as soon as that happened, I remembered that when we have received the abundance of grace and then the righteousness, there is a certain response that comes spontaneously. Yep. It, 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 it's not something that you've learned it comes spontaneously. It comes instantly. Is that, in fact, it just, it just comes naturally. And so I began to look at my life. First of all, the scriptures. How people who have received the abundance of grace, how they have responded to it automatically, spontaneously, no learned behavior. Yep. You know, the, the apostles, Apostle Peter, Apostle Paul, in, in all of their epistles, you know, they always start with grace and what peace be multiplied to you, right? Grace and peace be multiplied to you. You cannot have peace without grace, the grace of God. You see, when you have received the grace of God, you have the peace with God. It starts with that. Peace with God. God is now your friend. You are now a friend of God. And then what follows the peace with God 
is then the peace of God. There are two types of peace now I'm talking about. The peace with God because of the grace of God and then the peace of God. You know, that state of calmness, that state of tranquility that you experience in the midst of chaos. You experience that peace and it comes automatically. You don't have to learn, you don't have to strive for it. And I remember uh, Peter. Now Jesus in uh, Luke, chapter, Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5 verse 8, starting from I think verse 1. Jesus went to the Sea of Galilee and he went there to preach. And then he saw two boats, one belonging to Simon Peter. And he told Peter, please, can you just move into the sea a little bit so I can use your boat as a pulpit to preach. The Bible says that he spoke to the people. And at the end of it, he told Peter, could you move a little bit and then throw your net yep. into the sea? And Peter said, Lord, we, 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 we have toiled all night. Uh, we are good at this. And then we caught nothing. But he said, at your word, however, at your word, we will throw in the net. And you know the story, when he threw in the net, he caught so much fish. They were dragging it, the boat was sinking, until he had to call his neighbors, James, the sons of Zedebee and uh, John, and they came and helped him. And when they saw this, the Bible said that they were outstanding. Peter was shocked, and what did he do? He fell on his knees. He fell on the ground. Now that word fell actually means to crumble. It's like a building crumbling. It crumbles and then you can never put it together anymore. Peter came to that state. And that is the state of repentance. And so when he has received the grace of God, he received the abundance of fish that he never expected. What came naturally was what? repentance. He repented immediately. He said, leave me, Jesus. Go away from me, for I am a man of sin. You don't need to copy me. He came to a place where he said, I cannot help myself. You and only you can help me. Repentance. Secondly, we know of the story of the woman. I think that's in, uh, again in Luke chapter 7 from verse 47 down. This woman heard that Jesus was going to uh, a Pharisee's house for dinner. And so she prepared herself to meet with Jesus. The Bible says that she got in there and immediately began to weep. In fact, she went with a jar of oil, a very expensive perfume, alabaster jar of oil. Very, very expensive perfume. When he saw Jesus, the Bible said he began to weep. His tears used to wash the legs or the feet of Jesus Christ. Kissing Jesus' feet uncontrollably, was weeping and crying. Her tears washing every part of Jesus' feet. The Pharisee who had, who had invited Jesus, what did he say? said it in his heart. If only this man who calls himself a prophet, if only he knew the kind of woman that this woman is, a sinner, a prostitute, an immoral woman, if only he knew 
He wouldn't have let her touch him. You know what happened? Because Jesus had touched that woman. Because the grace of God had touched that woman. She has received salvation. And the immediate response was what? To love. Jesus said, called Simon. He said, Simon, when I came to your house, what did you do for me? Did you wash my feet? Did you do anything for me? In fact, he told him a parable. He said there were two debtors. One was owing a large sum of money, and another one a small sum of money. And the man forgave them, canceled the debt. He said, who loved more? And Simon said, it is the man who was forgiven most. And he said, you see this woman? She was forgiven most. And therefore, she loved most. And therefore, when we have received grace, the abundance of grace, the next thing that comes to us spontaneously is to love. Amen? Amen. What comes spontaneously? We don't have to learn it. It comes spontaneously. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts. The love of God, not only the fact that we have to love God, but the fact, most importantly, that we have received the love of God. 1 John 4, 17 says that we love because he first loved us. If we don't trust people to receive their love, we cannot love. If we don't trust people enough to receive their love, some of us are stifled because of love, and that is because we have not trusted people enough to receive their love, and therefore we cannot love. And lastly, the question of holiness. When we have received the abundance of grace and righteousness, indeed righteousness is a gift. Let me back up a little bit. Do you know that repentance is a gift? Hmm? Repentance is a gift from God. You cannot repent on your own. Just merely saying I repent doesn't do it. Repentance is a gift that we receive from God. Romans 2 says that it is the goodness of God that does what? That brings repentance. The goodness of God. So we receive the goodness and then we also receive the gift of repentance. And then can we turn around, change our minds about what God says we are, what we have believed about ourselves, and then hanging on to what God says about us. In 1 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1 from verse 1 to 4, Peter talks about the goodness of God, the knowledge of God. And he says that by promises, by these promises, and we know that the promises of God uh, yes and amen in Christ Jesus. It says that we, by these promises, we have been made to be partakers of the divine nature. Formerly, we were, we, had the, we were the children of wrath. That was our nature. We had a sinful nature. We had satanic nature. But now, because we have received grace, the abundance of grace, the abundance of the righteousness. God says that we are righteous. He says, by these promises, we have been made to be partakers of the divine nature. And that talks about holiness. And therefore, when we have received grace, when we have received righteousness, 
In other words, when God says that you are righteous and that you are blameless, that you are um, unreproachable, that you are not a sinner saved by grace, but that you are a saint who sometimes commit acts of sin, when you have received that, embraced that, enjoy that, it says you now have a divine nature. And that is in your spirit. So in spite of what I'm be going through, in spite of the, you know, the errors, you know, the wrong choices that I make, I know that I know that I have the divine nature. And that comes spontaneously. And of course, because we act from what we think. We act from what we, we believe. If I know that I have the divine nature, guess what is going to flow out of me? Divine things. Godly things. And of course, God has already given each and every one of us, as believers, everything that pertains unto life and godliness. Life, as I said last week, refers to your nature. Your nature. Your identity. So we have that identity. God has given us that identity. And then out of that identity, we begin to behave godly. Amen? Okay. The mics are open. What kind of grace reflexes do you have or not having? I love Christians. <laughs> Are you creating <laughs> a room, an atmosphere of grace in your home? That is what God has been talking to me about. You see, is your home an environment of grace? Or is it a courtroom without a defense attorney? Some of our homes are like that. It's like you are in a courthouse and all those accusations are thrown at you. They are thrown at you. Criticism, judgment. It's Thank you, Brother Sam. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Based on what Chris has taught us now, I know and also remember that um, the church has taken a stand against certain administrations. Certain what? Administrations? Administrations. Okay. I'm coming. <laughs> also, certain people. For example, the church prayed against the administration of Mugabe. Also prayed against <laughs> the fantastically corrupt Nigerians <laughs> in this church. To the point that um, when some of their money was confiscated in London, we heard about it. We said, "Hey, Hallelujah! Praise God! God answered our prayers." Was that the right thing to do? And also pray for certain administrations that God should develop and 
encourage direct purposes of other institutions. Is it double standard or the right thing to do? Let me stop here for now. <laughs> Praise God. It's a new one. Wow. <laughs> let, let me consult the Holy Ghost through Google first. <laughs> wow. Based on, if I can give you a grace reflex to answer that question. Um, Paul's teaching to the church. Let's go there. Second Timothy, I believe it is. Thank you very much, Brother Sam, by the way. That's very good. First Timothy. First Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2. And the reason your question is very important is because I think it was on Wednesday last week. We actually addressed how grace will inform how we worship and how we pray. Those two things primarily, we address that. That's why, you know, this is such a very interesting question that you, you brought for this morning. Uh, okay, so t- Peter, uh, Paul teaches and says, therefore, that's First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, therefore I exhort first, and f- first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for who? All men. For kings and all who are in authority. Okay, so how should we pray for them? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Wow. Based on this scripture, how should we be praying for these administrations? Hello? Anybody? I mean, I can answer the question straight up, but I want, us to, I want to coach us through knowing what, what to do. Based on this scripture, how should we be praying? Okay, more specifically, how should we pray for Robert Mugabe based on this scripture? Don't whisper, just get to the microphone and talk. Please. We should pray that um, God should surround them with godly counselors that will enable them to make decisions in line with God's will and God's purpose for that nation. And that um, we should, that the people in the nation will be able to live a quiet and a peaceful life. Good. Sam, thanks for the challenge. And if we've prayed other than what this Bible says before, we were in error. It's that simple. Listen, you can't argue with scriptures. God has, and why is that important? Because God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son, including 
Robert Mugabe. He was made and created in God's image and likeness. God has as much love for him now as he does for all of us that are here. Now, this is a challenge for all of us. Let me just start say, I, I'm, I'm perhaps one of the most guilty in what you just said. Mm. Let me put myself on the line. Because when I heard those prayers, I didn't stop it. So that makes me complicit with that prayer. But the reason we pray those prayers is because it feels so good to us. We see physically the kind of havoc that Mugabe has done in Zimbabwe. And sentimentally, we put ourselves in that. Ah, this man is a wicked man, evil man. And so our sentiment led the prayer, not God. Our emotion. And, and Jesus cautioned us in John chapter 7, verse 24. He said, pray. He said, do not judge according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Appearances, Mugabe is wicked. Zimbabweans are suffering. Zimbabwe is falling apart. This man is doing the right thing. That's the appearance. But do you not know that God anoints Cyrus? And calls Cyrus his servant. <laughs> yeah. No, so really, the, the point here is we need to get to that point where our grace reflex is not based on my natural senses. It's not based on what I see, taste, smell, feel, and can sense, but it's totally based on God's perspective in the situation. That's why Paul says we should cast down every imagination that exalts itself above the word of God. In this case, I don't like Mugabe, I don't like what he's doing, that is my imagination that's exalting itself above the knowledge of God's word. God's word says pray for his peace. Pray, pray for his salvation to manifest. Pray for the people of Zimbabwe to enjoy a, a, a peaceable life so that God's purpose in that nation can come to pass. And I said this last week or maybe two weeks ago uh, without really thinking about it. And the thing is, the church has been known for what we stand against rather than what we stand for. We stand against wicked rulers. We stand against this. We stand against that. We stand against... But what, what do we stand for? That's what the church needs to be known for. What we stand for. So thanks for quickening us and reminding us of what our true grace reflex should be in these kind of situations. Ooh, that's, that's got quiet. <laughs> the scripture is the final authority and no matter how we feel about it we need to submit to it because it's in the submission to it that things happen okay for as long as the church has been praying against Mugabe what's happening with Mugabe <laughs> yeah Mugabe is waxing stronger and stronger <laughs> maybe we should just agree with God and start praying with the way God wants us to pray That's right. and the, the, uh, Zimbabwe may be liberated Look at what happened in South Africa. Nelson Mandela. There were people when Nelson Mandela was released who was looking for vengeance. Because they figured, listen, 
the apartheid government in South Africa took away 27 years of your life. How about tit for tat? Fire for fire. Where would that have led South Africa? The man came out and ministered in the opposite of the prevailing spirit. And by so doing, saved South Africa from bloodshed. That is the nature of God. God always ministers in the opposite of the prevailing spirit. Lucifer fell out of pride and arrogance. Jesus became exalted out of humility. Yes. He did not use what the enemy used. Amen? Amen. Now, it's going to take some work for all of us to start thinking like this. As we renew our mind, though, our mind is going to become aligned more and more and more to what God's purpose and will is. Amen? Amen. But do we understand his question? Yes. Do we agree that that's a challenge for us? Yes. Only Derek. <laughs> Some of you guys still want to keep Mugabe. Go, 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 go help you. Amen? Amen? Thanks for that question. Yes, Brother Patrick. Yeah, uh, Pastor, I believe all that you are saying about grace, praying, and all the scriptures to say about praying for leaders. But I uh, also believe that the Bible says we are not fighting against flesh and blood. Yes. So we can also pray against the evil Yes. Definitely, we can, we can pray about the evil. But, but we, the, the, the care here is, I think you used the phrase the other time, which I, I, maybe, maybe I can make, uh, help you recall it. There's a difference between praying against a person okay. and against their behavior. Mm-hmm. Two different things. You can pray about a behavior, but not against a person. Again, because when you pray against a person, remember that that person was made in God's image. Really, 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 when you're praying against a person, you're praying against yourself. If you really understand the whole thing, how God created us and, you know, and so forth and so on. But definitely the behavior can be addressed. Amen? Patrick, do you see the distinction between the person and the behavior? Okay, thank you. Let me add to what you said earlier, yeah. and that is the... Um, I just lost my... Okay. Grace brings repentance. And what Pastor Barney just did now is, 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 is just a clear example of that. It's because we have now received grace. We are now beginning to understand grace. We are able to repent. We are able to change our mind. We are able to reflect back and say, hey, uh, where I was before, that is not the right thing. Correct. And then we are able to change. Correct. So I believe that you know, as we get deeper and deeper into this, into this grace living. Correct. Um, a lot of the things that we used to do and hide, we are going to bring them to the surface. Amen. We'll expose them because when we bring them into light, that is when we will have the healing. Amen. I, I really hope you heard what he said. Just now, we were challenged about something we used to do. Yeah. Okay? Traditional thinking, you say, you know what, let me define my position. Mm-hmm and build a wall around my position and just defend my position. But in a grace environment, you have nothing to lose. In a grace environment, there's no position to defend. There's only one position. It's God's. And God's position takes preeminence regardless of how I feel or don't feel. So what he's saying is grace empowers us, allows us to say, you know what? I was wrong. 
I need to make a change. I need to make an adjustment. And, and when that's happening on a regular basis in all of our lives, that's how we know that we are walking in grace. It's not how many scriptures you cram. No, 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 no. It's not how many days you fast or how long you, uh, your, your pitiness. No, that's not. The issue is on a day-to-day basis. How, uh, look, at, look at David. Look at David when mm. he cut the hem of uh, uh, Saul's robe off. That's right. Immediately he cut that man's robe, his heart smote him. Immediately. That's a man that was walking and living in grace. Immediately, he knew he did something that was wrong. Even though Saul, so to speak, was evil. The evil or wickedness of Saul did not justify David doing what he did. Even though all the men around him were saying, kill the man. He's wicked. He wants to kill you. But when David caught the edge of his robe, the Bible said his heart smoked him. Mm-hmm. And he immediately said, man, touch not my anointed. I'll do my prophets no harm. So what I'm saying to us is we need to trust God to get to that place where we, can, we are quick to repent, meaning change our minds. Acknowledge that God is right, we are wrong. We need to get to that place. And when that happens, to be able to do it and say, it, that, hey, I've done it. Amen? Anybody else? Yes. Yes, I have a question. Or kind of a comment. Uh, How do we uh, use grace in the position of leadership, for example, where a certain (laughs) things were done a certain way before, and it took grace to actually break that mold? And I hope I'm articulating this right, but in essence where... It's kind of like we have to, okay, say for example, we have to be here by 8 o'clock for, for uh, service. And some people come in here, you know, 8.15, 8.30, and they say, well, no, you can't minister. How do you, how do you handle that? I mean, how do, you, how do you work around that grace mantle? Because, you know, we, we, set a, we set a standard. You know, the leader is here at a certain time, but all the followers come at a yeah, they are struggling late. Okay. Well, Let me help him ask that question very well. <laughs> Let me make it plain yeah. for you. Okay. Let's just be plain, okay? Yeah. Don't speak in parables. <laughs> so the praise team agreed that they'll be here at 8 o'clock. Right. So they can practice and get ready for main service. And part of that agreement is if you're not here on time, you do not minister that day. So his question is how do you? Uh, maintain that standard without being seen as being hard, harsh, judgmental, or critical. Because if you're not here at 8 o'clock, then uh, you come in at 8.10 or 8.15, we say, I'm sorry, but you know, you are late, so you cannot minister. So the question is, how do you apply grace uh, in, in that situation? Do you accept the tardiness because we are under grace? Or <laughs> Or do you just bring down the hammer and say, you are late? Somebody has... Uh, oh. Binga, allow you. Good. He's going to give you an answer. <laughs> Praise God. I don't see a hammer in his hand, so I don't know what he's going to say. <laughs> well, well, I think we need to put that grace in context. Okay. You see, that grace works with love. 
Yes. The word is grace. Yes. Yes. See, I want to read critical you know, ingredients in law that even God chastises those that he loves. Right. Thank you. So you see, grace is not an exemption, yes. wow. right, from punishment. In fact, it is the administration of it when it is required. Was I make it? Can you give me a dollar for me? <laughs> so, so to follow to follow up with that, yes. in essence, um, we have to always administer it in the whether by punishment or by by because I mean there's, there's there are times when you have to ask yourself, okay, is this getting the point across anyway? You see what I'm saying? Because we we are saying we are to punish in love, we are to we have to set a standard because the thing is the standard. The standard is you know, as a leader, I have to show that these, I have to show that I have to be here on time. Yeah. I'm, I'm here on time as yeah. a leader. Yeah. But if the followers are saying, you know, that, okay, well, you, you're not leading today, you can't say, what, I mean, where, where do we, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see where you can, I mean, are we saying, okay, well, we can't sing anymore? No, we can't I mean, do, we can't do anything anymore. I mean, what is the, what okay, is the, let's go back to what uh, Mr. Olaye said to us just now. Okay. Uh, and I, I want to reemphasize that. Grace operates in the atmosphere of love. That's it. In fact, we said this over and over last yes, week. Yes, yes. The reason, love is the reason for grace. Yes. Don't ever forget that. Love is the basis that gave birth to grace. Therefore, you cannot minister grace apart from love. Love, on the other hand, though, the Bible talks about how whom God loves, he chastens. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, rather than use the word punishment, I will not use the word punishment. Punishment reminds me of, uh, you, know, you don't do your homework, you, that's where I came from. Uh, <laughs> you, you come to that classroom, there's a horse whip that's waiting for you. Mm-hmm. That's going to leave mark, you're going to leave a map on your back when you're done with it. So, so, so that's not what we're talking about here. So, 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 so what I'm, I'm hearing you say is, as a leader, there's a reason for which you guys come together at 8 o'clock. So you need to let the person in your downline know, honey, or this person, John, Sally, Jane, I'm so sorry you are not here again today. And you know, your absence affects the cohesiveness and the progress of the ministry. Therefore, because you are not able to be with us to do what we needed to do, we just say for you to sit down for a minute and just observe what's going on there. I mean, you, whatever you do, you have to do it in love. The problem comes if it's not done in love. Mm-hmm. And if the person that's been chastised does not know why they are being chastised. Why did you guys have that standard to begin with? They need to know that. You need to recall their, mem- their, their attention to why this standard is there and the importance of the standards being upheld. And when it's not upheld, how it affects everybody. Mm-hmm. So their tardiness is not just about them, it's about the entire community. So they need to be reminded of that. And, and that's, the, that's where the correction comes in. You know, so, and then, and then they know what the, the standard is. I mean, that's it. They, they just sit for that moment. That does not mean that they cannot function next week or next, next time. It's just that for this moment, it's important. And that's not just for you guys. I've had a case here where I had guest ministry. They were late. Guest ministry was late. And uh, that was their first time as a guest minister. I didn't let them minister. I didn't. I told them why I would not let them minister because I don't want to give an example to my associate ministry to help them to think that being tardy is acceptable in this ministry. I just told them I'm sorry and uh, you know, I had to find an emergency message that morning. 
but they did not minister. However, however, because it's not a punishment, but a corrective action, I brought them back the next month. And this time, they were extremely, extremely on time. <laughs> so the lesson was learned. Yeah. Now, now let, let me also say this. We're talking about, since, since it went to punctuality, let me also say this now. Let me say this. We've had weddings. We've had weddings that I've had to not minister in because during and leading up to the wedding, I told the couple, you choose your date and your time. Choose your date and your time. We sang it like a song. On and on. And they chose the date and the time. And the time came, they were not there. They were not there. So, uh, in that case, they, they broke their part of the promise. And that released me from the obligation. Yeah. In fact, Eniola is here. I'm looking at her face now. Now, that was not Eniola, by the way. That was not Eniola. But in Eniola's case, the groom and the bride were there on time. But her family were not there on time. And the family expected us to wait for them. <laughs> I said to the family, I'm sorry. The groom is here. The bride is here. And before we all got here, God was here. Who else are we looking for? We joined them together and they wanted to fight us. In fact, they fought us. But God delivered us. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just leave the rest of the story so you guys can. But I'm just throwing that out there because you need to understand that when you make these commitments, you, sh you should be prepared to walk through them. Yes, who's, who's first? I think. So, ah, my fellow GOP. Welcome, sir. In an effort to expand what uh, asked, right? Yeah. So, how do you reconcile? Because I think I find myself in the same position sometimes. Because yeah. uh, when you're in a leadership position, yes. the past couple of years with all this grace thing and the love part of it, now my boss is calling me I'm a weak leader. <laughs> Got soft. <laughs> yeah, I got soft. You know, so how do you reconcile that when outside the church? You know? so. very, very good question. Very, very good. Yes. Very good question. Um, you know, we, we are to correct in love. Yes. Okay. But we are not to encourage a bad behavior. Right? Okay. So. <laughs> you can correct in such a way that you don't enable okay. the bad behavior or the unapproved behavior from the other person. You see, many, many, many a times we enable people in what they are doing and you know it's wrong and then you continue to enable them. And How? How do we enable them? In, in other words, um, somebody keeps coming late. Okay. You've set a standard. You say, you come to the church at so and so time. I'm in for the meeting at so and so and so time. He comes the first time late, and you say it's okay. 
it comes a second time late, you give the warning, it says, okay, you are enabling that person. You are enabling that person. You've got to give the person a choice. What I do is give the person a choice so that the onus will be on him or her. If you come late, this is what is going to happen. And so if he or she comes late, then the onus is on him. All right, so you are now going to face the correction. In other words, they should know in advance. They should know in advance. What the consequence will be the next time that behavior happens. That's right. Is that correct? Okay. Yes, yes. So and you, so that when that behavior now happens, it's not you doing something. No, no, you no. already come to the table knowing. That's right. Okay. Does that make sense, Brother Daniel? So, 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 what, so you give them the consequences of their wrong choices. So now if they now fail, the onus is on them. Now they face it. Now that doesn't make you a bad person. They have chosen to go that way and therefore they should face the consequences Amen. of that. So tough love, you know that not to enable. I don't want to be an enabler of a bad behavior. And you see that when you do that, they are going to change because it is a choice. They have made a choice. They made a choice. And, and I am not going to encourage that choice. I want to stop that wrong choice. That is is it possible to, in the course of talking to that individual, Yes. Uh, and, and we're using punctuality here. In your case, it may not be punctuality. Yeah. It may be that they just don't do their work with uh, giving enough attention to details or whatever the situation may be. So is it possible to, when we are talking to them about the infraction, to ask them just to show the love, is there anything I can do sure. to help alleviate sure. this issue sure. in you so that they know you want to serve them? Mm -hmm. So I ask them, what can I do to help you so that this will not happen again? Is there, any, or rather, is there anything I can do to help you so that this will not happen again? And they say, oh, well, no, really, there's nothing. Well, okay. Once they say there's nothing you can do, it's totally on them. You've placed the owners completely, 100% on their head. And then so you talk to them gently, in love, but firm. To let them understand that the next time this happens, because of complaint policy, because of the standards, you give them the whole nine riot act, why this behavior should not be acceptable. And then, of course, when it happens the next time, they get a shaft. You hold territory. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Praise God. Derek and then Sir Kenny. Love. And I hate to use that word, a very first love, because grace always been there. 
and we embrace grace. Grace is kind, it's gentle. And so if we're not operating in that mode, then we know we're walking away from grace. And I think that should be a guiding point from here on as we walk in grace and love even more unconditionally just like Christ loves. Amen. Thank you. Sir Kenny, welcome. It's good to have you. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Let, let me, let me yeah. ask something. Yeah, come on. You know, um, I think John 1, either 14 or 17 says that Jesus came full of what? Truth and, and grace. grace. Yes. Truth and grace. Grace and truth. In all of his dealings, in all of his dealings, Jesus will always use grace and then truth. Take the woman who was caught in adultery. The woman who was caught in adultery. And she's standing there. And all these men are carrying stones. You know, to stone her. And Jesus said, if, not, if anybody who has never committed sin, let him, or, let him first throw the first, I mean, stone. Throw the first stone. And they all left, right? They all left, one by one. And what did Jesus say? He said, I don't condemn you. That's grace. I do not condemn you. That is grace. But he also gave the truth. Yeah. Say, go and sin no more. Correct. Go and sin no more. So grace and truth, they work hand in hand. Yeah. Grace says, I don't condemn you. Truth says, you are righteous. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Therefore, do not sin. Okay, it's not that when you sin that you're going to hell, but that sin does something. Sin does not show that you, sin does not align you with who you are. So grace and truth, they always go hand in hand. Amen. Pastor Nee, and then Brian Owen. I am, mine is also a comment. I think that one virtue does not For instance, when we were in school, a lot of my colleagues. 
used to charge me people. I was praying all night, evangelizing, but it was safe. During the exam time, you want to do well. Mm. Spiritual virtue, the spiritual virtue in praying, evangelizing. They call it as academic virtue in study. You cannot replace your academic virtue with your spiritual virtue. They should complement each other. Um, between Genesis chapter 3 coming down, when man sinned, up until the sixth chapter where sin went down during the anti-Dubian period. Um, it had gotten so bad that God even repented himself that he created man. But at the same time, in that same chapter 6, Noah found grace yes. in the eyes of God. Even though Noah found grace, God did not say, okay, by virtue of my grace, I'm still going to just embrace everybody. He had to take Noah 120 years of preaching. 120 years. The grace had to propel him to another virtue of letting people know about the love of God. If you can make it to this contraption called the ark, you will be saved. 120 years which in itself is a manifestation of God's grace. Mm -hmm. How abundantly uh, patient he was. Yes. He did not replace that. Um, when it comes to what has happened in the past, far as a prayer life and what have you, uh, few people chase more demons than I did. <laughs> At my age, as a teenager, by God's grace. It does not necessarily mean that I'll do something wrong. It was a spiritual virtue. The approach was not in grace. So the mode in which it was done, or it's done, is what I have to tweak now so it can follow the grace of God. Correct. It does not necessarily mean that I don't have to do certain things because grace as a virtue is now invoked. Grace has always been there. We're just discovering it. That's right. Um, if you're a legislator, for instance, and you're a Christian for that matter, and walk in grace, that spiritual virtue of grace does not extricate you from exercising your spiritual conscience when it comes to promulgating laws that can allow godly behavior, attitude in society to fester. Absolutely. I.e. same-sex marriage. Hmm. I wonder how long it will take you to get there. <laughs> <laughs> My servant Obama. <laughs> in time past, I probably would have prayed a prayer like this. Let the power of God fall upon them wherever they are. <laughs> <laughs> and let them die. Scripture in the Old Testament that says that when your judgment is in the earth, then the inhabitants will learn righteousness. Yes. I've used that to pray several times. Mm. What I will pray now, the behavior, see, wrong yesterday is still wrong today and it will be wrong tomorrow. That's, That's right. That's right. If wrong was wrong yesterday, grace will not make it right today. No, Amen. no. Absolutely. If it is not addressed. Amen. So if we still must address it in the spirit of grace, I will pray, but I will pray in a different dimension now. 
where I ask that the eyes of the understanding will be enlightened. There you go. That God will allow them to see the vanity yes. of this behavior. Absolutely. I would not walk up to somebody and say, you know you are dying tomorrow if you don't do this. <laughs> but rather, let them see how scandalously God loves them. Yes. It is the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. Correct. It's not the judgment of Correct. God. It's not the so punishment. Amen. Amen. But having said all of that in a nutshell, I'll take my seat. We can't replace virtues. Grace as a virtue has its place and it must be the overriding reason why we do things. But we still must do the things we do. It should not stop me from praying for Zimbabwe. No. I should still pray for Zimbabwe, but yes. I ask God to visit Mugabe in his sleep. Absolutely. And show him how loving a God he is. Absolutely. And so that, like he showed himself to Saul who became Paul. Aha. God can come, he can encounter him in his dream, for instance, and tell him, why are you persecuting my people? Exactly. But I don't need to prosecute the judgment of God on his behalf in my prayer. Exactly. Amen. Very good. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's grace. Very well said, Dr. Nitete. And by the way, I still have your passport. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, I, I want to bring us a little back to uh, what Brother Sam, the question Brother Sam. Okay. Um, because uh, it, it was a very important question. Yes. On what obtains around, uh, around the world. Yes. But I just want to submit that in as much as we don't find the embers of those that are corrupt, uh, in as much as we don't, you know, applaud all whatsoever they are doing, but we should know that wickedness as a word is relative. Hmm. Um, the, you know, even the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is expected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If in our own person, as individuals, the little powers we have in our homes and in our workplaces, and we find out that if we are given the same power as Robert Mugabe, we probably would exude worse hey. tendencies. <laughs> because you see, what happens is that um, is uh, um, you cannot know a man until you give him power and money to dispense. That is when you know actually the characteristics of that human being. So it gives us, it portrays your fact that we should pray for liberation, just like uh, Dr. Nee yeah. has said. So we, that grace comes into to play again. I mean, we pray for them, I mean, to God to enlighten, just as the vision said, uh, enlighten the uh, eyes awesome. of the understanding that they see. Because in ourselves, in our different homes, in our the, the different small powers and the resources we have, we don't dispense them. Virtually, the way it's supposed to be done. Yeah. So, which means if we are given a country like Zimbabwe, we probably do even worse situations than that. Amen. So that's why the grace message is very important and relevant. To this Amen. That's a very shocking evaluation that should really, really shake us to our boots what I hear him saying. Because if we are not righteous with the little we have now. Mm-hmm. 
what will happen when we have bigger platform? And uh, uh, I know that uh, a person here has some dealings with some people abroad. And uh, when the government just changed over, and he went abroad to meet his friend with some high expectation of some things being able to happen. And he came back and told us, I think only you should remember that story. He came back and told us and said, wow, how his friend changed overnight mm -hmm. because of the little, the little elevation that he's received overnight. And he couldn't see the guy again. He couldn't talk to him again. Even though he lived in his house for two or three weeks, he just could not have any audience with him. He has totally become a different person. And the guy is a tongue-talking, sound, Holy Ghost-filled believer. So you're right. And these are the things that we should all remember for which we should remain humble before God. So God, That's right. help me. Help me. Every day, where we should put on that armor and receive the grace of God and the love of God and the help of God and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Because you never know what's in you until you, until you get in step in that arena. If I can say this publicly, Pastor Bakari told me that in his uh, uh, interaction with the government, mm -hmm. uh, he said, Bank, if God has not cooked him, I'm, I'm quoting him, and cooked him properly, that there's no way, that there's no human being that can walk in that arena that will not lose his mind. He told me that. He said, because for every man, there's a price. And it doesn't matter what currency, they have it. They have it. So, yeah. And these things should remind all of us that we need God. And that without him, we can do what? Nothing. And so when we see our brothers and our sisters falling or failing, judgment should not be the quick thing that comes to our mouth. Mm -hmm. Because the Bible says very clearly that he of us who is spiritual is with the spirit of meekness. Humility. <coughs> that we should minister to them. Yeah. Because you know that you yourself is capable of doing worse things That's right. than these individuals. Thank you for that reminder. Wow. Praise God. Now, Mr. Greg Tuttle, and we're almost done. Before he kill the microphone. Okay. I just wanted to differentiate between uh, grace and rules and regulations of our homes and where we work and uh, whatever we do as leaders. Uh, but that said, I also want to encourage the church that um, I think when the grace message, uh, message started, we saw our pastor give us uh, where he was and how he got into grace. So it taught me that it is not an overnight situation. It is something that we slowly and gradually get to. So uh, as a church, uh, for some people who have been here new, and for some of us who came and saw this transition between uh, when the grace message was not the paramount thing for this association, we can see change. And uh, to me, I think the grace message personally 
has has given me a different direction and I think that is what is important that that grace message should actually impact and give us show us the difference between what it is like when there is no grace and what it is like when there is grace. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, I just want to make a comment and um, thank you for the grace message that you brought to us. Uh, for me, it has impacted my life. And truly, who can talk about grace? The two of you sitting down there, you leave it. For those of us that are close to you, the statement that comes out of your mouth, the actions that you take, are grace messages by itself. I watch you, I listen to things that we deliberate on, and at the end, where's tough love? I never had that before. I look at the world one plus one is two. Very practical. But I always say, even my wife, if you hit money, you don't know the kind of person you are. Hmm. A lot of us that sit here today, if you ever hit big money, I can guarantee you the true color will come out. Hmm. And it's true. The Lulu that I played before nearly destroyed me. And I want to emphasize, and I, I don't want to direct attention to it. When you celebrated your 60th birthday, and you did the Thanksgiving in the church, there were a lot of praises that was directed to you. I have a cousin who came, extremely wealthy guy. He said, Baratunde, I sit with God knows. I sit with president. Kings prostrate for me. Uh -uh. He spoke to you. He said, people are praising you too much. You said one statement that day, but the grace of God will carry me. Mm. He said to me, he said, he's preaching the right thing. Mm. He said, but that statement alone, that the grace of God will carry me, he said, it's not by himself. Wow. You didn't know that you've been carrying grace for a long time. And I say to people that, I say you've been working in grace, but like you said, you just came into the reality. But the word that comes out of your mouth and your action daily is grace-filled. It's grace-filled. The only thing all of us need to do is, all of us have issues. That's okay. But if we commit to God in the true way, that's how I know God. I left everything and I just trust God in everything that I do. And I don't know how you can explain the peace of God. Mm. It's natural. You, can, you have to experience it. You have to walk in it. No matter what the condition is, it will see you through. Amen. But when we start doubting, you lose your focus on it, the devil will beat you. You will not know where you come from. <laughs> But I think we need, we can even look from the pressure of, oh, we don't have members, we don't do this, we don't do that. I never see Pastor Weber. And it's true. I never seen Weber. Some people will have been running amok, running crazy. 
you know, you are preaching it, and uh, thank you for preaching it for, to us, because every word of grace, I'm listening to it, I'm going back to read it for myself to Amen. see what it means. Because the thing about it, if you see people living in it, you, got, you have to tap into it, because if we live here today, we've had it so many times, and now we hear it's all, you know, it won't work. It will never work. So thank you for bringing the message. I know for sure I'm still working in progress, Amen. and I will continue to work in progress. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Yeah, we're almost done. Yeah, definitely all of us are a work in progress. And, uh, and what you just explained, Sammy has told me about, the, told me that about Pastor Mike. You, are, you know, you've not been there. Sammy has been eavesdropping about you. I'm talking about how much grace you carried even before you came into the fullness of the grace message. That the capacity was already in you uh, to walk in that grace. Amen? Good. We are done. Praise God. But you have something? Just add something. Okay, for sure. You know, the... Um the apostles say that the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And we are justified by faith. We are justified by grace through faith. And therefore, if we are to live godly, we live by faith. And faith means trusting. So we live godly by trusting who God says we are. Amen. We live godly by trusting who God says we are. My my word of encouragement you know, to all of us is, is that we should make our home an environment of grace. Amen. Let's make it an environment of grace. Amen. Let's not make our homes a courthouse without a defense attorney. Amen. Let's grace, you see, love is a face that grace wears when it means imperfection. Amen. That's good. When we meet imperfection, Amen. let's use love. Let's use grace. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. We're going to flow into an, another aspect of this service this morning uh, where grace is being released. Uh, Pastor IBK, Pastor Shino, please come. Um, Pastor AD and Pastor Annie is here and they have a wonderful announcement. <laughs> they want to make, uh, please, uh, can, can you please just come? How do we want to handle this, Bishop? Yeah. 